Hey everybody, this is Callie D, the hip hop promoting soccer mom, and I am on the air right now with Jay Ira, also called the Sexy Psycho. So go ahead and introduce yourself, Jay. Well, it's Jay Iria, but yeah, oh. everybody fucks it up. <laughs> what did <laughs> um, I say? Like, I said Ira. It's Iria. Okay. Yeah, it's like area, but Iria. I mean, that's how you say it in English, anyway. So, but yeah. Because it's Finnish, it's a foreign language. That's why everyone has such a difficult time pronouncing it, apparently. Yeah, and I've actually seen that last name in Chicago. Like, there's a couple of um, institutes or something that have that last name. Do you have any um, family in Chicago that, that does stuff? I was living in Chicago for a long time. Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to look up the uh, stuff in Chicago. I'm not sure what you're referring to, but I'm sure because there's a lot of Finnish people up, like, in the Midwest, so... Yeah, I was walking, my, I was rock, walking around downtown Chicago, and I think it's like maybe an art institute or some kind of institute that has that um, that, that name. That would not surprise me. Yeah, so I always kind of wondered if if, uh, if those were your people. Could be. Never know. Okay, and uh, it's okay. I usually call you Jessica. Do you? Would you rather not be called Jessica during this or? I mean, everybody always calls me Jay. The only person that calls me Jessica is, is like my grandma when she hits me with a spatula. <laughs> when it. she's like gonna fucking abuse me. Right. Grandma abuse. Understood. Okay. Yeah. So Jay it is. So Jay, uh, you are a hip hop rapper, uh, located in Dallas, but I feel like you do well, not technically Dallas, the DFW area. I, I tend to like encapsulate everything as yeah, Dallas. So do I. DFW. I feel <laughs> yeah. like, you know, for me and you like saying, you know, oh, you're from this part or this part, like we understand. But whenever you go to like a national scale, nobody knows where the heck Fort Worth no. or Arlington or Denton is. It's, it's all nope. Dallas to them. Right. Yep. So that's I very true. I consider you an artist from the Dallas, uh, Fort Worth area. And I really like it that you, you tend to branch out. Like you work with a lot of artists, like across the board. Um, you know, you just did something with Minnie the Butcher. I've seen you do stuff with Twista. Um, did you do something with Crooked Eye? I feel like almost every yes, I did. artist that comes through, like the next thing, you know, um, you have a drop with them, which is really great. Yes. I think it's good for your brand. It's good for exposure. Um, and it also shows that you're very versatile. Um, so in all of the people that you've worked with, who is your favorite? That's like really hard to say like who my favorite is because it's just amazing to me to have all these different features. You know, it's like really humbling. Um, I have like everybody is my favorite for a different reason because it brings out a different element to my music. Like Every time I do a song, I have that person on that song for a reason. Like the drowning song with Royce to five nine. Like, you know, he was recovering. He's been recovering from alcohol and been uh, sober for a long time. That's something that I dealt with and going through a lot of things. That's why I had him on the drowning track. And he was perfect for that track. At the same time, like Benny the Butcher, it's not his stereotypical song, Bounce Back, but it highlighted a type of his flow that showed a lot of people a different side to both of our versatility, if that makes sense. So there's a reason why I had um, each person on the track, just like the Rage track. Uh, Young Buck actually had a song 
uh, on Buck the World called Funeral Music. And that is what that song is mirrored after because Funeral Music, for those people that don't know, um, was the very angry, aggressive, uh, crazy side to Young Buck, like talking about how he felt like everybody was after him and things were just crazy for him in his life, in his life at that time. And that was his outlet. And I felt the same way during the time, you know, after I lost my sister and then five of my other family members right after that. So it just fit to have him on that song because I would literally listen to his song to feel better about my situation and then just created a song that was kind of reminiscent of that song. Nice. I like that. Um, and shout out yeah. to being sober. I'm actually celebrating my five months today. Oh, I'm so happy for you. That's literally the biggest life change that it night and day difference. How long have night you been and sober? day difference? I feel like it's been a while. Uh years, six years almost. Yeah. Yeah. So just the longer I stay sober, the more my life improves and gets better. I don't I don't have cravings for alcohol. It's very strange because I talk to a lot of alcoholics that uh, for their entire life, they have cravings for alcohol. I just don't. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I, I don't. Okay. So I guess I, I kind of do know why because there were so many reasons that I was drinking, uh, things that I could not process and handle. I didn't know why. Uh, I felt certain ways. And once I figured those things out and started going to therapy and really working on my mental health. That's when I never focused on, okay, of course, at first I focused on, okay, I can't drink. Right. right, right. But once I finally got all the alcohol out of my system, which took me months because I had to like wean down off of alcohol because I was so badly dependent. But once I did, I focused on fixing myself and then the craving for alcohol just wasn't there anymore like I have no interest in drinking it doesn't interest me at all like I, I never literally never have cravings it's interesting I feel more if I were to self-sabotage I would feel more probably suicidal or uh rage related than alcohol relapse if that makes sense yeah and and I'm kind of there with you um I don't really I think this is my second time kind of going quote-unquote sober um, I went like 110 days before I had a drink and I was able to, to, you know, kind of limit myself, you know, I'd have like maybe a glass of wine or, you know, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. but the first time around, it was more or less just the habit of it. Like, so when you go get a pedicure, you know, you have a glass of wine when you're like watching the sunset on a patio, you have like a glass of wine, you go here and you have like, you know, a, a nice whiskey or something. So it was almost yes. just a habit of, of, you know. Uh, I mean, society drinking, you know, going out with my friends, they would always kind of be act kind of weird because I didn't have a drink in my hand, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and then they would make it like an issue. They're like, oh, well, we can do sober stuff. And it's like, it's okay. Y'all don't have to stay sober just because I am like, y'all can do whatever. I'm, I'm fine. Really? Yes. And, um, I guess I, I wouldn't say I necessarily relapsed more than I, um, went out drinking again, like, like one day and I realized I couldn't control my emotions afterwards so if I was triggered by something which I ended up having like a fight with my boyfriend and then I went like off the deep end I was like you know that's really first of all poor him <laughs> I mean, yeah like, you know I, like I was embarrassed yeah. more than anything and so that's whenever course. I was like 
okay, it can't even just dabble in it because, you know, I, I felt so secure in my dabbling that whenever I finally did kind of, you know, just, oh, okay, let's have a shot here and a shot there. And like had like a whole night where we drank more than just a, a couple. Um, that's kind of whenever I made that decision. So then the second time around that I did it, it was almost like a year to the date that I started like the first time. Um, I, I'm kind of like you, like, I don't even have the cravings. Like I, I've gotten over all of the, you know, like the habit of it. I've gotten over that part. So it's like going to get my, my toes done, you know, mani uh, petty. Like, I don't think about not having that glass of wine. Instead, I would just want a water, you know. So it's like I almost had to do it twice in order to get over just the habit of it all. And that's really what it yeah. is. Like, you don't realize how ingrained alcohol is in American society until you just stop. Like, just yeah. don't do it at all. And then it's like everywhere. But um, so, well, congratulations on six years. I'm I'm hoping to push for, I'm, I'm definitely going to make it a year. Um, and really I don't have any, every once in a while, like I have this bottle of like Johnny Walker blue that's in my office kitchen that just stares at me every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, those are the times where I'm like, you know, just one won't hurt. <laughs> yeah. The strong. thing that I think the thing that helped me too was partially like, for what? If I'm only going to have one, what kind of right. benefit is that going to do for me? <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, it, it it's does. not going to get me drunk. So, yeah, it, I don't, I, it just like, it just never made sense to me after I got sober to drink again. I just, I was so clear, like my decisions became uh, just so focused. I went from being in debt half a million dollars to the IRS and the government for my fines and all this shit, you know, having nothing together. My teeth were falling out of my, my fucking head. Like my life was messed up, you yeah. know, to owning my own six figure business, uh, paying off all my IRS debts, getting $52,000 worth of dental work done, having a 401k, having, being my own boss, traveling all over doing music, be, you know, like I just, I was like, I would never want to go back to that. Right. There's no reason for me to, and one mistake can really mess everything up. I think that's, that's another thing for me. I mean, some people can drink and that's cool with them, but like, it's just not for me. Like I know I'll mess everything up. Yeah. Like I'll fuck it up. Too. Yeah. I feel like I, I've become much more of a better parent, a better partner, yeah. just a better everything, you know, without alcohol. Cause, um, you know, maybe I don't know my limits. So I, I gotta, I gotta just trick myself and be like, just make it a year and then we'll see, you know, cause if I, I say forever, yeah. if I say forever, then I psych it's myself out. You, of course. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make it a year. And then, you know, after a year, I'll probably want to make it another year or just whatever the next goal is. Um, now, something that you really talk about in your music is mental health. Um, so touch on that just a little bit. Six years ago, it seems like you were kind of in a bad place. You made the decision to quit drinking. Uh, and then you said something about going to therapy. Uh, so let's talk more about that. Um, what was the turning point for you? And like, what did you really learn about yourself through this mental health journey? So there was just so much because, I mean, I hate to trauma compare because that's like such a, I hate when people do that, but it's like, okay, it's hard for me to explain to anyone how deep 
the crap I went through in my life really is because yes, breaking a toe hurts, but having your femur shattered in 52 different pieces hurts way worse. Does that make sense? Like it's hard to compare like the stuff I went through, like having three sets of brain damage, feeling my skull, own skull twice in my life, almost dying from blood loss twice, being shot at, being sex trafficked for 10 years, you know, like it's things that, you know, really walking the streets with nothing, no clothes on my back, no nothing. And um, I think the turning point for me was realizing how bad things got and accepting how bad things got, which mm, I think could translate to anyone. Anyone can relate to that. Even if they can't relate to how bad my personal things got, they can fully understand and accept how bad things got for them. Meaning the certain things that I had to do in order to survive, I could not give forgive myself for, for a long time. Yeah. I felt ashamed. I felt dirty. I felt um, at fault for a lot of, of the abuse that happened to me. Um. And I'm now looking back, thankful that I know it sounds crazy, but thankful those things happened to me because it allows me to minister and help other women that those things have happened to, because it's very, it's impossible for somebody that has been through the things like severe sex trafficking, severe gaslighting, mental abuse, and those things over and over again their entire life to be able to take advice from somebody that's never been through it. Because we're going to look at them and be like, what the fuck do you know? Right. You don't know what I went through. Exactly. Just like, how are you going to take advice? It's let's simplify it. Something that everybody can kind of relate to. How are you going to take advice from somebody who has never had a problem with alcohol on how to beat a problem with alcohol? Correct. Yeah. You you know what I'm saying? You're not going to ask that person for advice. So looking back at those times when I was so deep into those bad situations, I would look around and, and I would, I would actively search for a role model or somebody to inspire me to find a way out. And there was nobody looking in the media. Like there was nobody that was talking about that stuff at the time. Like, yeah, talking about, you know, immigrants being shoved into barrels and trafficked into the country, you know, but there was no, like, this is happening in our backyards. Um, Pimps were so prevalent, but never talked about. Everyone was scared to talk about it. And people had the misconception that women were making that choice of their own volition, which is a lot of times they're brainwashed into it. They're groomed, uh, brainwashed, and they don't know any other life. And by the time they realize how bad it is, their trafficker and their abuser has control of everything. Everything. And who's going to believe them? You know, oh, you're just a prostitute or you're just this. Right. Who's going to believe them when and who's going to come to their rescue when that manipulator had systematically broken down all of their lifelines? They take you away from your family. They take you away from your friends. 
They take you away from everything you know, generally across the country. What are you going to do at that point? Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? Because right. if you call the police, if there's not like actively open, ripped open wounds on you, what are they going to do? And even if there is, how are you going to prove it was him? And then yeah. where are you going to go? There's no help for people like that. So I, I, I explain it that deeply because that's a lot of what drives me to keep going. So many times, it's multiple times a week, I get inboxes from girls. And they're like, you inspire me that I can go back to school. You inspire me that I don't have to be a hoe for the rest of my life if I don't want to. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a hoe. If that's what you want to be, fine. Right. But there's yeah. a lot of women that don't want to be that and feel like they have no other option. That's why I went, I was like, you know what? I'm done because I danced for a long time. And I had to prove to myself that I could make though that type of money without dancing. And even dancing was a step up for me because I was sex trafficked and a lot of these things that happened to me. Um, and I had to show, and at the time I really wasn't doing it to show other women. I was doing it to prove it to myself, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. And it was just a byproduct that other women started being inspired by what I was doing and then it took on a life of its own where women are like you're a role model and you're this I never set out to be that I just wanted to show other people that it was possible right and and, and, and like you said yourself first because I think a lot of times when it comes to trying to get out of like wherever hole that we're in and whatever I mean this is across the board it could be something you know as um you know like what you're talking about being sex trafficked or even just, you know, maybe something small like uh, being cleaner of a person, you know, picking up after yourself. It's the shame of like being in that situation. So like somebody who uh, I've helped people that used to be hoarders, right, uh, to kind of cleanse their life. And a lot of times they don't know how to get help because they're just ashamed of it to yep. the point where they don't want to ask for help. They want people coming in to know that that that's part of them, you know, that that's not you know, quote unquote, right, or, you know, um, or normal. And so I think getting out of any kind of situation, you hit the nail on the head when you said you had to forgive yourself and, you know, quit being so ashamed of yourself and just do it for yourself. Um, because if you don't at least take that first step of, you know, kind of getting out, stop being ashamed and just talking about it and, and wanting help, then, you know, you never get past that next step of actually doing it for yourself and then, you know, turning it into a testimony just like you did. That, yes, that's the whole thing is I, I knew I couldn't help anybody until I helped myself. Right. There was just, it was, and there was nobody to ever help me. That's why I, you know, I, there was a point where I was like, all these, all these people I helped just keep fucking me over. Why am I helping them? Right. But yeah. then I remembered how bad it was for me when I was in that position and how strong I really am. Imagine somebody that's not that strong, how hard it is for them. So I literally in some kind of weird, uh, uh, whole uh whole robin hood you know um <laughs> tried to come back and and 
rescue other women the way nobody ever came and rescued me. That's really what it was. Like, nobody came for me. Nobody bothered. Nobody cared anymore. I was so far gone that everybody had given up on me. Right. Which happens. Yeah. It was, you know, um, very scary. It was terrifying. It wasn't like, oh, I was in my apartment by myself. Like, no, I was on the street with no clothes besides the ones on my back. No ID, not a dollar. Like I had to scrape myself off of the bottom. And I want to be able to get to a platform where enough people that need to hear that, hear that because it is so easy to get up. I mean, it's so easy to give up when you get that low. For sure. Like, screw it. For what? Because it's hard. It's going to be hard. It's 10 times harder to fix your mistakes than to make them. Right. I mean, we all kind of know that. Yeah, for sure. Once you make those mistakes, it's so hard. And, but I want people to know it's possible. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, something that should be said about any kind of forward movement is like slow progress is still progress. Yep. Um, You know, I've had moments where, you know, a couple of bad decisions or just, you know, one bad turn creates another and I snowballed and, you know, I was sleeping on my brother's floor, but it was like every day I was, you know, I didn't have a job. I was just really stuck. You know, I had kids I had to take care of. Um, And so all I could do was think about moving forward. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and forward momentum creates this energy that like, it took me a minute, but then now I've been doing better than I ever have, you know, five years yeah. later. And it's like just constantly moving and not getting stuck in that, like that, you know, grief or I guess uh, that what was me cycle or just that depression, which I mean, it, it's, we all go through it. I mean, I still get depressed sometimes. Sometimes I get depressed over no stupid good reason. And I have to be oh, like, yeah. why am I depressed? <laughs> you know, but you, you have to remember that even slow progress is progress, no matter mm-hmm. what it is whether you're losing weight, if you lose weight and you only lost one pound this week, instead of, you know, five, like you wanted to, that's still one pound that you've lost. So, you know, yep. like celebrate it. Um, Period. But, but yeah, so it's, you know, just, it's easy to get kind of um, wrapped up in, in what society thinks you should be doing or how well you wish you were doing, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, every step forward, I think. And then here you are six years later, you know, from a decision of, not drinking um, alcohol and look where you've, you've come because you just kept doing this forward movement. So I think that, yep. that speaks volumes on you. Um, so you were just recently on shade 45. Tell me about how that came about. So I quit my corporate job in December uh-huh. and I had just been going through so much for that whole year because my little sister died who was like my daughter I raised her like my daughter mm-hmm. literally and um she's my best friend and I did the best I could but some bad things happened and unfortunately I untimely lost her and after that it was really hard for me then my adopted dad died who was like one of the closest people to me in my life And then three more of my family members died. And then my baby daddy died all in a period of back to back to back to back to back. 
Right. So I dissociated and had a very bad roller coaster of dissociation. Like I was not from the outside looking in, I looked incredibly successful. Right. Uh, and I was incredibly successful, but that's because I dissociated from my own reality and built this reality where I could live without processing all the bad things that were happening. Right. So I, for like six months, I literally blacked out into dissociation. Don't even remember it really, to be honest. Um, and Kenny was finally like, you need to come back. You need to make music. You need to do this. And I was, I was, I flipped out. I, I couldn't write. I couldn't think I couldn't anything. And thank God, uh, uh, he finally made me just sit down and I, uh, wrote the stages of grief trilogy. Now that got some people's attention in New York because I have Benny the butcher on it. So when I dropped the Benny the Butcher track, so anyways, fast forward, um, I'm, I dropped the Royce to 5'9". I, I quit my corporate job because I just could no longer build other people's dreams. I needed to build my own and stop putting my own dreams on the back burner. So I, I decided to go 100. I decided in 2023, I was going to go 100% into my music. Uh, so we got the attention of some people in New York and I, so I decided before I got the announcement for the shade 45, I decided that I was going to do a promo run for bounce back. Like I was going to travel. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. I got booked for the twist of show in Detroit. So I did a, I got everything ready for the Detroit. And then I said, I'm, and I manifested. I, I even said it right out loud on, on Instagram. And I was, I said, I'm going to book all of February. I'm going to be booked all of February. And this was like halfway through January. And I had one thing in February. I'm like, how am I going to do this? This is insane. So I just started reaching out to people, talking to people. People were reaching out to Kenny. And then Kenny's like, so we have to go to New York. And I'm like, why? He's like, you're going to be on Shade 45. And I I was just like, shut up. dude. It's not funny, you know? Um, And he's like, no, seriously. And so I started getting that ready. And then I got hit up about another interview in New York and then another interview in New York. And it was crazy because it took on a life of its own. Like my promo run took on a life of its own. And I go out to do the Shade 45 interview and everything just fell into place. Uh, for so long, I had to fight and I had to struggle. And, you know, especially it's hard being in Dallas because... I came here at such a low level and I have progressed so much that I definitely don't get the recognition I deserve in the city at all. I think that's um, pretty said about a lot of people in Dallas, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, I don't know any other unsigned rappers that have been on Shade 45. I don't know any other un unsigned rappers that have that, that many blue checks or platinum artists on their records. I don't. Um, so I'm not... I'm not downing anyone, I you know, but I'm just being realistic. Like when you compare numbers, numbers are numbers, can't really, I mean, it just is what it is. Right. So it's, it, it's interesting though, because I go out to New York, right? Which, and New York is just period, point blank, a bigger market than Dallas. That's just period how it is. A lot more famous rappers have came out of there. I walk in there and it's nothing but like, yes, yes, doors opening, and it's funny because I got 
so much more love in New York than I ever did in Dallas ever. Um, and that's going up a level, New York or Las Vegas. I mean, New York or LA, like those are two, like the pinnacle places you want to be for music, right? You need to be recognized. So I go to New York and it's just like all these doors opening. Everything is just like, yes, yes, yes. Everyone's like, man, we love you. Like they, they had me sign the legend board at One World Studios, which it's all major arts. I'm like, you sure you want me to sign that? They're like, dude, like, do you even know who you are? Like, it's like, I had to get, so circling back to the thing you said first, like I, I branch out and I move around a lot. It's because a lot of times the people that you help the most or the people that are around you the most are going to be your biggest haters. And there's a reason why for that. And if you listen to, I listen to a lot of millionaires and billionaires podcasts because those are the people I want to be like, right? So I'm obviously going to listen to them, try and emulate them as much as possible and listen to their advice. Now, a lot of what I've heard off of their podcasts and their books and their motivational speeches is that very similar thing that when people, when you encounter people on one level, right? Let's say when you, when person A meets person B, person A is on level two, Person B is on level five. So all of a sudden, person A goes to level 25 and person B only goes to level seven. That's going to cause animosity from level person B to person A. Reason being is the tables have turned. People don't like to acknowledge when the tables have turned on them. And that's just reality. People do not want to give people's, people flowers when they have risen above that other person. See me, I don't have a problem doing that. I always give props where it's due. But then again, mm -hmm. I'm not a hater. Most yeah. people are haters. Okay. Unfortunately, especially in the hip hop industry. And that's true. You can listen at Legends Talk, major podcasts, even the guy that did my interview, uh, uh, linked me with the interview at Shade 45, DJ Infamous, Infamous Amadeus. If you look at his stuff, he even just posted something on his Instagram. He's like, um about not being I don't want to misquote him if that makes sense but about it was something so this is paraphrasing but hip-hop is one of the only genres where people don't want to give people that are more successful than them or come before them their flowers they just don't and I and and it's partially like the street culture partially like the doggy dog world culture but um a lot of people, especially gatekeepers, they don't want to see somebody expand beyond them. I just jumped the gatekeepers. They didn't want right. to open the door for me. So I'm like, okay, like I'm going to go above you. I don't care. Which is how I know it like, wasn't has been happening forever. Yep. Like, you know, yep. there's always been gatekeepers and there's always been that person who will either work past the gatekeepers or like you said, yep. you know, just jump them. Um, so I'm very familiar, and especially being a woman in this industry, yep. um, that, that makes yep. it even harder. And, you know, I don't know what other, um, uh, scenes are, are really like, but I'm kind of like you, you know, in Dallas, I tend to, um, you know, hit like a glass ceiling at times. Um, people, you know, like you said, don't want to give me my flowers or don't. And I actually, um, I'm, I'm going to talk to my therapist about this next <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like, cause I, I made this, like, I, I just, 
have this problem where um, people discount me and to the point where it becomes almost offensive. Well, it becomes offensive. And then I have to like remind them who the fuck I am. And then they don't really like that, you know, and they kind of buck against it. And, um, you know, and, and I don't know if it's just because I'm really humble or if I, you know, my boyfriend says I like to brag, which I don't necessarily, I'm like, am I bragging or am I just talking about my life? Am I bragging or am I reminding you who the fuck I am? I mean, like I set my life up this way for a reason, you know, and it's, it's cooler than most people. So, you know, am I just bragging or am I just talking, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But, you know, I do get a lot more respect in, in places like L.A., like the hip hop in L.A. Like, I mean, I have two legends who have my back in anything I want to do out there. Um, you know, who get a lot of clout, like throughout the United States. So I, I very well identify with what you're saying right now. And I'm not sure if it's just a, a hip hop. I mean, I, I'm, we're full of like braggadocious, you know, one up being yep. kind of people. That's yep. what the, the fabric of hip hop is. So yep. I can see how mm -hmm. the genre itself has that, but I feel like it's almost that way in anything to do with, uh, well, with anything. I mean, even, working in corporate you know like you're always going to have those people who are oh just, my gosh you know snaky and want to undermine you yep. and throw you under the yep. bus they just can't yep. wait so um you know maybe we're a little bit more vocal about it in hip-hop or in music or in arts but I feel like you almost have these problems no matter where you try to be great and it's only the people that try to be great that have to deal with this stuff you know the yep. people that are just average you know they don't all... ever deal with that no because they're just average they're not nobody's threat correct that part yep so because yes. they're not a threat I mean it's true you took the words up right out of my mouth or or we said them at the same time not sure yeah. but yes um it's true especially a woman um so now this is the thing I got into a huge debate pretty heated debate when I was in New York um with some male rappers because naturally I'm the only female rapper in the room right and I'm the only white person in the room and definitely the only white female so right, I'm sitting part. there and I mean that's like I you know that's just always gonna happen so mm -hmm. unfortunately but so I'm sitting there and we're talking it's like yeah but females are taking over I'm like but look at which females are taking over the females right. that are owned by a man are taking over of course where are the independent females that are taking over that are not signed? I don't know another independent female that's not giving a portion, a decent, hefty portion of her success and her money to a label besides right. me. That's on a nat, like moving towards being on a, like an actual international scale. I don't. I would love to hear of them. I would love to link up with them. But people are like, oh, Snow the Product. Snow the Product was signed for years. Yeah. Giving a large percentage of her money to a label. Tay Money is signed. She is giving a large percentage of her money to a label. Megan Thee Stallion, we don't want to talk about what kind of label deal she had. Right. That she's just getting out of. Cardi B, uh, hi. No, she, everything she does goes to that label. Nicki Minaj, love her, but guess what? Label deal. Somebody's getting a large percentage of her money. Okay, so where are the independent female rappers? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, of sure. course. Oh, yeah. Women are taking over. No, 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 no. The women that are on strings being told what to do by a man are taking over. Let's talk about what it really fucking is, because people don't want to talk about that. There's like, oh, yeah, women are here in hip hop. Women are doing it. I'm like, 
the women, or they're talking about sex and busting their pussy open and have fucking OnlyFans, which is great if that's what you want to do. But the right. women that are really, really being lyrical, not doing OnlyFans, refusing to sell their body and suck dick. Excuse my language. I hope I can swear on here. Oh, or yeah, definitely. Suck dick for shows or suck dick for features. I, I never did that. Not one fucking time. Oh, I could have. It would have made my life a lot easier, but I never did. I feel that. You know, so where are those female rappers? Those female rappers are getting blocked by the gatekeepers. Those female rappers are being passed up for awards. Um, and they're giving awards to females that will shut the fuck up and do what they're told to do. Because that's historically what kind of what hip hop is, is women shutting the fuck up and, and doing what they're told. Right. It's a very pimp and hoe mentality. And and it is what it is. I'm going to do me and I'm going to continue to be 100% owned by myself. And if that happens to get me hated, fine. If that happens to get me killed, fine. But guess what? At the end of the day, there's going to be a whole flood of women that see what the fuck I'm doing. And it's already happening. And they're going to see that and they're going to be like, you know what? I'm not scared anymore either. Because there is no control without fear. I'm not right. saying I wouldn't sign to a label, but I'm not going to completely change 100% of who I am. Definitely not changing my female empowerment mission. That's not happening. Yeah. You're not telling me that I'm not allowed to be lyrical anymore. That's not happening. You know, there are certain things that that just I won't... I'm not going to give up. And that's why I made damn sure, like my dad said before he passed away, my adopted dad, I call him my dad because my biological dad and me are not close. Um, so my adopted dad, I refer to him as my father. Um, so before he passed away, he told me, he's like, fill in your backspace. He's like, you've got, and this is my big advice to artists. They'll be like, how do you make it? What do you need to do to make it? Fill in your backspace, meaning make sure you don't owe any money to anyone. No money to the government, no money to taxes, no money to your credit cards. Make sure you have a savings, a good one. Make sure you have a 401k, like a retirement. Make sure you have investments, invest in gold, invest in solid things, invest in the stock market, um, have a good portfolio. And then you can push. Make sure you're self-sufficient because the reason a lot of artists get fucked is because they go to these labels with nothing, right? They have right. nothing. Yeah, they're they hungry. Saving. Yeah, yeah, they're star. They're not hungry. They're starving. They're right. thirsty. You know, like I'm hungry. Like I want it. I'm going to go out and get it. I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? That's a hunger, a drive. These people are starving. Like they don't know where the fuck their next meal is coming from. They don't know how they're going to pay their rent, you know? Um, or they're living like lick to lick to lick, you know? Right. I, I want, I made sure. I, and at a point I was like that. I was like that. And that's the best thing I ever did for myself was step away and fill in my backspace. And that's just good life advice. I think, yeah. you know, you'll find even in a more corporate setting when yeah. you're doing okay and you're not desperate because desperation definitely gives off a different energy than oh, yeah. confidence. You. You know, mm -hmm. so if you go into a job interview and you're just desperate for a job, like, why do you think you get a better job when you already have a job? Because you're not yep. desperate, you know? Yep. It's uh, it's the energy. It's the abundance mindset, just like you're saying. Yep. 
So uh, tell me more about the Stages of Grief trilogy. Um, have you dropped everything? Is there more to come? Where can So those are all it? done. Mm-hmm. So what I was talking about before, um, you know, with all the deaths that happened and, you know, unfortunately, my sister, my dad and my baby daddy and, um, you know, going through that, that's the trilogy that came out when I finally sat down and wrote. So it's three pieces. So the first one is drowning, which is sad. So there's three different stages for me. Everyone has different stages to their grief. For me, it was sadness, anger and redemption, like hungering down, picking myself the fuck up and getting the fuck going. Right. So sadness, anger and redemption. Those are the three pieces of the trilogy. So sadness was drowning with Royce to five, nine, which is insane because Royce doesn't really do features with people. He definitely fucking doesn't do videos with people. So the fact that I have a video with him is absolutely insane. Um, so sadness was drowning with Royce five nine. Anger was rage with Young Buck. I I touched on that too before. And then mm-hmm. um, the redemption was bounce back with Benny the Butcher. And those are the three. Uh, so and and I just took off running. Like I'm not gonna play games this year. Like this year is where I'm gonna push. Like this is where I'm gonna push and make it fucking happen. You know, so I've already got, I went to Detroit and filmed a music video there in front of Mom's Spaghetti, which is insane too, because that's yep. uh, M&M's restaurant. So that was super fucking cool. That was definitely like a bucket list thing of mine. And yep. then went to uh, New York and recording recorded in a world famous studio in Times Square, um, recorded those two songs. So I recorded the rough draft before I did the video, which is like completely backwards. And, you know, but... I, it just happened that way. And like, I'm glad it did, um, recorded there and then filmed the video for the next song, which is heaven for sinners in times square. So I've got those two coming up. I've still got the, um, crooked eye or King crooked as he's known now, um, song that I need to drop. I have the X rated song. I've got to drop. I have the project pat song i need to drop i have the little scrappy song i need to drop like girl i've got mad shit coming up bro. like nice so much stuff it's so exciting sounds like it well, you're yes. busy. and, and that's yeah. one thing i i've noticed with you too is that you stay working like you're Period. always promoting something else you drop something you're promoting something else and on top of that um your stage show is clean um you know you, definitely you. put on a performance so Thank i you. think you know, with all the things that as, you know, especially a white woman in hip hop, um, you know, cause, uh, you know, alert, I'm also a white woman in hip hop <laughs> alert. Uh, I'm dying. Yeah. You know, just in case <laughs> you're hearing my voice and you've never just seen in me in case person. You didn't know. <laughs> and, uh, we, we have a whole lot more blocks, you know, yep. in front of us. And, you know, I, because I am a white woman also, I try not to, you know, do the whole like, oh, I'm a white woman in hip hop, you know, like, I don't really try to like toot that horn very much. Because I know that, you know, for people of color um, to exist in this, in this world period is is a lot harder for them. So if I have to go through it, so be it right, because they definitely have got, had to go through it in just life in general, right. Um, but it is a thing. And one of the things that, uh, yeah. you know, we have to be very um, conscious of all the, you know, things that could be cultural appropriation and, you know, just, there's just a lot to worry about in this space as, a, um, you know, a white woman in hip hop. And even though I love it 
with all of me and I try to give it as much, you know, um, respect and, and do my due diligence in what I do. Um, you're always going to have the, the first thing that they're going to come at you with is, you know, anything to do with women. So your sexuality, you know, whether you put out or not, you know, that you're a bitch or a cunt, like those are like words. And then, you know, you put the fact that you're uh, white on top of that, then it's, you know, culture vulture and, um, you know, things of that nature. So. You know what? You know what's so funny is like, I really, okay, so this really hit me when I went to New York too, because I mentioned that because, you know, as usual, I'm in a group, uh, I'm in a room full of black dudes, which is very normal for being in hip hop. Um, I never really noticed that until, and I'm not kidding you, until like more recently, like people would start really commenting on it. I'm like, oh, I I don't notice that because I don't see color like that right Mm -hmm. so I'm conscious of it and I'm also obviously aware that it's a thing but like I don't see color like that like if somebody asked me like oh what nationality is that person I literally have to think hard about it because I'd be like wait because my brain just doesn't categorize people like that right um I really don't like from for me personally my mental doesn't really do that um so it's funny though because I am very very conscious especially when I go different places like um Detroit especially is very racist um as far as towards white people in hip hop. Yeah. So, which is interesting because that's where Eminem comes from. But I right. mean, he would, but he like, sang about, or he wrote about it. Like, he oh, definitely was oh a thing my for God. Him. Bro, it, it was ridiculous when I went to Detroit. Like, they, man, I'm not even going to go into it fully because, you know, I've been told not to by my manager, but. It, it was it was pretty severe. They tried to like block me from performing. And if I didn't know certain people that I knew to pull strings, like it was insane, yeah, insane. But I still pushed it through. And I, I kind of touched on it when I went to New York and I was talking on one of the podcasts to be like, you know, some people think I'm a culture vulture. And then like the guy that was interviewing me, he's like, hold up, though. He's like, but you're not like not in any way. He's like, nobody around here thinks that. He's like, if anything, you have more credibility in the streets than most of the dudes I know. That part. So like, I really done sold drugs. I really done had bitches. I really done been in Oblock. I really done moved through the worst, worst neighborhoods in Chicago and lived. I really done lived the life that I'm talking about. So I think it's different because like now that my story is getting out more, people are like no bro like you have credibility yeah you have the um like the street cred I don't have to prove that like it's it just is because people know and being in the presence of somebody when you're really from the streets right and you meet somebody else that's really from the streets you can tell yeah the only people that would call me culture vulture is somebody that doesn't have any culture in them themselves so I'm not worried about what they say right Mm mm-hmm because I really did it. Like I really done did that shit. I really spent time in Cook County jail. I really almost went to prison for assault and battery. I really carry a gun everywhere I go. I really live the life that I'm talking about. So I don't worry about when people call me a culture vulture, because if they bothered to take 10 seconds to listen to me talk, if they're really a real motherfucker, they can't say that I'm not. And they wouldn't. It's the people that are culture vultures themselves 
that are calling me that because it's easier to point the finger at somebody than admit what you are. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And it's really um, low hanging fruit. It's like, Oh yes. wow. You recognize yep. that I'm a woman who likes to have sex and I'm white. <laughs> like, Yeah. Exactly. Congratulations. You know, like that's the right. best thing that you can come up with. Like, I promise you there's a lot more than you can talk shit about with me. If you just, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I used to get culture vulture a lot more when I, uh, before, especially before I had these features, you can't, like, bro, like, I've got, like, major people that are hella respected in hip-hop, like, Royce the Five Nine is regarded by many people as one of the best MCs of all time, like, Eminem's favorite rapper is Royce the Five Nine, so every, like, your favorite rapper's favorite rapper's favorite rapper, I have him on a fucking song, right. you know, and a video. You can't, like, he's not just doing a song and video with anyone, bro. Like, he's just not. So, I mean, I, and then, like, Benny the Butcher, like, he's got real live street cred. Oh, for he's not sure. just getting a, on a song with anybody. Yep. His songs are on point. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. So, and people can be like all they want. Like you paid them. I'm like, okay. And you paid the guy at fucking McDonald's to give you your food too, didn't you? I mean, you got to pay in this industry. It is what it is. But I'm telling you this. I didn't pay what the next motherfucker would have to pay. And I'll tell you another thing. Royce the 5'9", doesn't matter how much you pay him. If he doesn't like your music, he's not doing your song. Well, and I have a, a funny story. I'm, I'm not going to name names, but I had two very well-known, um, iconic in, in their own right, um, rappers that uh I was hanging out with one who's like an old school guy and then one's like a little bit still kind of old school but a little bit newer and the newer guy was like uh had his manager ask me how much for a track from like the older dude right and so when I asked him he told me like you know he gave me a price and then they were like oh we thought he would just do it on some love it's like how are you going to ask me how much for a track you know, and these are two people that are of worth, you know, and, and even at in, in that realm, they're still charging each other for. But that's a what feature. I'm saying. A Nicki Minaj, <laughs> I guarantee you, Nicki Minaj charges people in the industry. Doesn't matter how yeah. cool they are. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Everybody has to pay. That's how it is. Like, since when is it a bad thing to pay? Like, okay. So for Especially example, somebody not- who has their, their oh, stripes, what? you know what I like, mean? To that, me, like, to me, disrespectful not thank you i thank you it's disrespectful as fuck do you know how many people around here don't have a blue check don't have any resume don't even get their music mixed correctly and they're like hey man and they'll hit my manager up like hey man have jay do a track off the love like i knew her 10 years ago like bro what the fuck are you talking about and for 10 years you've done nothing and for 10 years i have busted my ass to get to where i am so this is the thing in hip hop. It's very interesting because this is the only genre, you know, where I feel like people do not respect the work other people put in, especially now because they're like, oh, I can just blow up off TikTok. I can just blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. And don't get me wrong. I do get a lot of respect. So I'm not saying that. I'm not complaining. Like, oh, I don't get respect. I get a fuckload of respect. Like I can still walk around the streets by myself and people will come up to me like, like I was walking in Times Square in New York and this guy screams out his window, sexy psycho. I'm like, hey, what up? Like, I'm trying to find where he's at. And he rolls down his window. He's like, hey, man, I fucking love you. You know, New York loves you, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still walk the street by myself. I don't really care how big I get. I'll always be like that. 
Like, I'm not scared because I get respect. It's just like Twista, okay? Twista's huge. Twista is probably the only Chicago rapper that can go in any hood and be safe. You know why? Because he's got real life street cred and he respects everybody. And and he's got, you know, so I don't really worry about people disrespect respecting me or people like hurting me or anything else. Like, and plus people know I'll really pull it. Like if you try to attack me, I'm going to fucking severely injure you, if not worse. So, you know, I don't know, like the disrespecting and stuff like that. It's just like, it is what it is, man. If it's my time, it's my time. And if it's not, it's not. If that makes sense. Oh, I'm just sure. really not scared. I have no fear. The only person I fear is me. And I am me. So I'm not scared of shit. Yeah. If that makes sense. You know, like the only thing I am I'm fearful of is me and myself and my own actions. Yeah. Because everybody else's actions have no impact on me. It's just like when everyone told me I wouldn't make it, right? Guess what I did? I found somebody else. And when they said no, I found somebody other than that. And when they said no, I found somebody other than that. Just like, you know, and I have respect for the gatekeepers. You know, it is what it is. Like, I have a lot of respect for them. It's cool. But hey, man, if you're not going to give me what I need, I'm going to go to somebody else that will. Right. Would I like to have your blessing? Absolutely. Am I going to beg for you? Beg it, beg, beg you for it? Nope. Absolutely fucking not. Yeah. You can either respect me or I can salute you and keep it moving. You know, we either going to make it happen together or we're going to make it happen separately. But a motherfucker's not going to stop me from eating. I know that. Well, this has been a really wonderful interview. I love your energy. Um, and I, I definitely feel it when, you know, uh, you have to have that spirit of fight in you in order to make it. Um, otherwise, you're just not going to. Um, and that, that's definitely something I think you and I both share, um, because I've been the same way, you know, um, uh, if one person told me, no, I went to somebody else until I figured it out and I got it done, you know? And so that's why you're still here and that's why I'm still here. So I really appreciate hearing your story today. Yes. Now, thank you. I appreciate it. Likewise. Um, so where can everybody go to find you online? Uh, give us your socials, your websites, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, easiest place is just go to my website. It's got the links to everything. The sexy psycho.com, the sexy psycho.com. Instagram is J dot I R J A. That's actually how you spell my name. J dot I R J A. But like I said, if you just, even if you Google the sexy psycho, like, uh, my stuff's going to come up, you know? So just go to the website, link up, check out the Check out the videos on YouTube. You type in Benny the Butcher Bounce Back. My video is going to pop up and you can go to my channel and just kind of wormhole from there because I've got like 30 something videos on there. So, Awesome. Well, congratulate, uh, congratulations on all your success. Uh, we've known each other for, I don't know, a few years now. And I feel yep, like you've been some years. Um, your branding is on point. Um, I love it that, you know, you have the the sexy psychos, a good way to, for people to find you. I'm, I'm kind of a branding nerd, so... Yeah. Um, anytime somebody makes it super easy for people to find them, that just kind of gives me a little excited because yes, there was a time when people time. had like, you know, this name for Instagram, this name for that, this name. And it's like, oh my God. Um, so anyway, um, I love your branding. Um, she has merch for sale. So if you want to, um, do you have any beanies for sale right now? I feel like you will. Oh yeah. I finally got those back in stock because they've sold out like four times. So I've got the uh, beanies in stock and those are going fast. I got 
I have, like half of them are gone already. I just restocked them last week. Um, and then the the ski masks, those are back in stock. I got, I mean, I got quite a few of them, but they're going pretty fast too. So I would get the beanies and the uh, ski masks before those uh, go. And, and where's, those your next, uh, where's your next show going to be at? Um, so my next Dallas show, I haven't even announced it yet, but um, is uh, April at at Trees with Ritz. That's nice. the guy I did uh, Losing My Mind with. That's at like 300 something thousand views on YouTube, which is just insane to me. It's insane. Nice. And I just but, got so, that notification for, about him playing too. So Yeah. So I'm going to be on that. And uh, the rest of February and like into March is really just focused on getting my new music out again, you know, and uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to focus on dropping at least two songs every quarter. So I'm going to try, I'm aiming for one song every single month. It's going to be a lot, but fuck it. Uh, okay. I'm ready for it. So I think if anybody can do it, it's definitely you. <laughs> hey man, we'll see. So everybody go to thesexypsycho.com to find out all the different um, socials that she's on. Go ahead and follow her. Make sure you do a like um, and a comment on all videos and let's show Period. our girls some love over here. So thank you thank so much, you. Jay. And you are the best. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll check in in another couple months, see uh, what other awesome things you have coming up, okay? Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. All right. And this is Callie D, the hip hop soccer mom signing off.